The sermon you are about to hear was given at Pillar Bible Fellowship in Hood River, Oregon. Pillar Bible Fellowship exists to glorify God by knowing Christ more fully and making Christ more fully known. Email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org. You can find more information about Pillar Bible Fellowship online at www.pillarhoodriver.org. Please enjoy the podcast. Chapter 43 of Genesis. All right, let's get started this morning. Chapter 43 of Genesis, we, we find ourselves mid-stride in the steps towards reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's brothers, you remember back in chapter 37, they sinned against Joseph by throwing him into a pit, essentially writing him off as dead, you know, torn by wild beasts as the brothers' story, their lie, uh, told to their father goes. Truth was, they intended to kill him. Initially, they intended to kill him, but through some intervening uh, efforts of Reuben, they settled to sell him off as a slave instead. The sin of heirs brought guilt upon themselves, left a, a father bereaved of his son, and a, a sibling abandoned and cruelly, cruelly mistreated by his brothers. Just a, really just a big mound of brokenness is what that caused, a big mound of brokenness. Fast forward to where we are today in chapter 43 of Genesis, Joseph's brothers are seeing the need to return to Egypt to buy more grain for food as the famine in the land continued and worsened. They've already made one trip. Do you remember that? Seen in chapter 42? So this would be their second trip. Their brother Joseph, whom they met at their first trip, is now recognized by them but only known to them as like the man, the Lord of the land. While, while Joseph did recognize his brothers, whom I repeat, last he saw them were acting as dishonest and cruel men towards him. So what have we seen Joseph doing in his interactions with them? Chapter 42, what have we seen him doing? He's, he's questioning them, right? He's questioning them, accusing them of being dishonest men. You're spies coming out here to check out the land. You are dishonest. And in doing so, in Joseph doing so, seeking really for their hearts to be revealed. For they do ultimately become reconciled. Those of us here know the story. They do become reconciled. But that happens number of chapters down the road. Joseph has been seeking from the onset for their hearts to be revealed. So allow me to put it this way. Life and death for Joseph at the age of 17 was in the hands of Joseph's brothers. We saw this back in chapter 37. The revealing of their heart then, Joseph's brothers, their heart was that of evil intent accompanied by selfish gain, which was not overcome by Reuben's efforts to intervene on behalf of Joseph. Joseph was abandoned, sold into slavery, left as good as dead to them. 
Now, with Joseph as the man, the Lord of the land, life and death of Joseph's brothers are in the hands of Joseph. Joseph spares their life while intervening to reveal their heart. Verses 18 and 20 of chapter 22, if you want to glance back there, it it sums it up well. Do this and you will live. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers. Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households, and bring your youngest brother to me. Listen to this. So your words will be verified, and you shall not die. If you are honest men, so your words will be verified. So what is Joseph looking for in the revealing of their heart? What is he looking for? Evidence of the fruit of repentance is what he's looking for, for there to be a change. And we see budding fruit of this already as his brothers, shortly after Joseph shares these terms of life with them, is what he's sharing, terms of life, and you will live. Shortly after that, his brothers say to one another, in the very next verse, verse 21, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. They're not speaking of Benjamin, right? They're speaking of when they threw their brother Joseph into the pit. We are guilty, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. And that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben adds in verse 22, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes this reckoning for his blood. Do you see the, do you see the guilt upon them right now? I mean, there's nothing like feeling the pressure and heat of the moment to reveal what, is, what has otherwise been quiet within you. And that could be evidences of God's grace at work in your life in which the fruit of the Spirit is clearly manifest, bringing about you know, great encouragement. Like, I can't believe I'm responding that way. I'm feeling the, the pressure and the heat, and, and this is what's coming out. This is not me. This is the work of God in me. That brings encouragement. But it also could be marking clear ugly areas of the flesh coming out that still need attention being put to death. But here... Here, this pressure and heat of the moment with the brothers, it's the lack, it's the lack of a clear conscience. It's the lack of a clear conscience. Still, after all these years, they are ridden with guilt due to this sin against their brother where forgiveness and reconciliation has yet to take place. Joseph was 17 17 when his brothers sold him into slavery. He, is, he was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt has come to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph has said. And this famine is spreading all over the land. That takes time. In fact, if you glance ahead, don't do that, but I'm telling you, just glancing ahead a moment, to the moment Joseph, or Jason, Joseph makes himself known to his brothers in chapter 45, it tells us there in verse 6 that five more years 
of the seven years of famine still remain, still remain to come. So it's reasonable to say, quick math here, there has been at least 21 years of time since Joseph's brothers sinned against him up to this remaining obvious guilt that they are feeling and expressing between one another, as we see there in verses 21 and 22 of chapter 42. So, like, that begs the question, is their guilt any lessened by time? No. Time doesn't lessen it. More time doesn't replace the healing and restoration from sin that forgiveness and reconciliation brings about. And so, and so because of this, Joseph's aim is for the revealing of their heart. The revealing of their heart, which is, which is the underlying truth from the passage this morning, from chapter 43, the revealing of the heart in other words, to see the fruit of repentance in their lives. And why is this Joseph's aim? So that the situation between he and his brothers would improve. That it would improve, indeed, be restored completely. And this comes by hearts revealed and the reconciliation steps between brothers. I mean, did you catch from last week's reading from Scripture, and then also today's, that Joseph's dreams, the dreams he had back when he was 17 years old, about his brothers bowing down to him, like, they came to pass. Both of them. He had two dreams of it, and it came to pass twice. On their first visit, once in chapter 42, when they first met Joseph, and then again here in chapter 43, when they returned to Egypt. And you notice that Joseph didn't respond in that moment. Boom. Like, do you remember me? Check it out. Yes, yes. Pay attention. I am Joseph. Do you see what's happening here? Just as I dreamed. He didn't do that, right? He didn't. But he was in the power of the place to do so. He was in the power of the place to do so, but he didn't take those actions. If he did reveal himself to them right away, if he actually did that, do you think, do you think that they would be apologetic to him? <laughs> His life is in their hands. Like, oh, Joseph, like, we're sorry. We're sorry. It was wrong for us to do what we did. You, would you please forgive us? Yeah, I think they would say that, but this, but this isn't what takes place. This isn't what takes place. Rather... Rather, Joseph is carefully wise and patient in pursuing his brothers to have their hearts revealed so that true reconciliation and restoration would take place. He doesn't know where they're at. Like, he, it's been 21 years and change, perhaps. He has, they're practically strangers to him at this point. Last he saw them, they were ignoring the distress of his soul as he's crying out to them to not leave him for dead in the pit they threw him in. That was the last time he saw his brothers. Much time has passed. He doesn't know their heart. He rightly desires to see it revealed before he makes himself known to them. 
the result of Joseph's brothers sin against him has left this guilt upon his brothers. There's no forgiveness and reconciliation that has taken place. A father is bereaved of his beloved son. And it's just this big mound of brokenness. And Joseph desires for things to be made right. He desires for things to be made right, that their, that their hearts would be revealed so that true reconciliation and restoration would take place. And we find ourselves mid-stride in the steps towards this process of reconciliation between he and his brothers to that end. The revealing of hearts, our chief focus from the sermon, the revealing of hearts we will see from the passage this morning in these steps towards reconciliation are, number one, interest in the well-being of others. Interest in the well-being of others. Number two, truthful confession. And number three, compassion motivated. Compassion motivated is number three. Number one, interest in the well-being of others is seen in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 43. So the situation, the situation, a fair amount of time has passed since Jacob's sons made their first trip to Egypt to buy, to buy bread. In Judah's own words, seen in verse 10, he says this, like, if we have not delayed, if we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Like, there's been some time that has lapsed. The fam is, is reluctant to go back to Egypt to meet the man, the Lord of the land, Joseph, on the terms that he has set for their lives. Their brother Simeon remains in custody this whole time in Egypt. And for them to get more bread and retrieve their brother Simeon and return alive back to Canaan, they must bring with them Benjamin. They must bring with them Benjamin, Benjamin, their youngest brother, who is Joseph's brother from the same mom. And Jacob wouldn't have it. Jacob would not have it. Yet, the severe famine continues and death will come to all if no action is taken. It's been, it's been prolonged as much as it could be. But now it's either we go to Egypt on the terms given or we do nothing and die of hunger. So that's the situation. That's the situation. Now, the revealing of the heart seen in these first 10 verses is that of Judah's. Judah. Do you recall the revealing of his heart some 21 years ago when they all ignored Joseph's distressed soul crying out to them? Listen to this in verse 26 of chapter 37 that gives record of that account. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let no harm, or let, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our own flesh. Okay, so was there some element of compassion there to save the life of his brother? To save the life of Joseph? I say, perhaps. That's possible, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to Judah. But I'm not persuaded to think so. 
since equally possible was a motivation of greed for gain. Greed uh, to gain a profit from the life of his brother. Let's not just kill him and have the blood on his hands. Let's just, as good for dead, sell him and have some gain for it. Indeed, Judas' acts with Tamar, involving Tamar in chapter 38, are further revealing of his poor character of heart at this time in his life. But notice the difference we see here in the revealing of his heart captured best for us in verses 8 and 9. Following some back and forth discussion between he and his father Israel, and remember Israel and Jacob, same guy, about the terms Joseph wisely put into place to test them to see if they were honest men. There's some back and forth there. But then Judah says this to his father Israel. He says, send the boy, Benjamin, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. And I will be a pledge for his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Notice the, the contrast it's a far cry from what we saw Judah saw in Judah a couple decades back. There is undeniable interest in the well-being of others seen revealed in the heart of Judah. Before, there was no interest in his brother. In fact, it was quite opposite. But here, there is great interest in the well-being of others. I mean, did you count the we's, the I will be, and the let me bear There's like seven of them. He's emphasizing it all the way through. Send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge for his safety. From my hand, you shall require him. And if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever forever interest in the well-being of others. Is that not in step in keeping with repentance? That's revealed there. Judah's concern is not for himself. Rather, at the cost of self. You see that? At the cost of self, his concern is for the life of others. The life of his youngest brother, Benjamin. For his father, his other brothers, all their wives, their little ones, like that's his focus. At the cost of himself, that's what his concern is, for the well-being of everyone else. Judah's concern is not for himself, and that is, that is revealing of a change of heart. That's revealing of a change of heart that is needing to take place so that true reconciliation and restoration would happen. We're seeing... We're seeing progress here. Progress here in the steps towards reconciliation. This is a good thing to see in Judah. A good thing. And both the circumstances, being the famine out of food, and Judah's selfless plea to his dad do result in Israel giving approval to make a return trip to Egypt on the terms described by the man, the Lord of the land, who is their brother Joseph, still at this point, unbeknownst to them. Israel gives approval. 
And there's something neat here I see in Israel and Jacob. Right now, he is at an all-time low as he consents. He really is. Verse 11, if it must be so. <laughs> like, we have no other options. If it must be so. He gives wise instruction for the return, bringing with him presents for Joseph, just expressions of thankfulness from the land, but also double the money. You know, the money that was discovered in their sacks, return that along with more money for more food. But catch this added nugget before we move on to the next point. In verse 14, Israel, who's Jacob again, same person, a man of faith at an all-time low, he says this, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Israel, with no options but to comply or die, he and his whole family, Israel accepts what may come. He accepts what may come while leaning into and pleading after the mercy of God Almighty. And that is a good example for us saints. For we find ourselves at such places at times, right? During this short span of life, this our sojourning. Accepting what may come while always, always leaning into the mercy of God. Our next point. And hearts revealed in these steps of reconciliation is truthful confession. Truthful confession, seen in verses 15 through 25. What, is seen, what was seen in the hearts of Joseph's brothers when they sold him into slavery? Evil intent, selfish gain, envy, Jealousy, hatred, and ultimately, a lie. Ultimately, a big lie to cover it all up. This all came through loudly in that account from chapter 37. Fast forward 21 years plus. Humbled by famine. Life in the hands of the Lord of the land who doesn't trust them and haunted by the guilt of their betrayal and mistreatment of Joseph, what do we see revealed from them? Truthful confession. I recall your attention to a means of testing his brothers that Joseph put into place. All the money from their first trip that they gave Joseph for the grain to feed their families, Joseph had it returned to all their money sacks to all their money sacks. And and to their horror, on their way back, they discover this and are in dread for their life, thinking with their hearts failing them, is what the scripture says. Their hearts are failing them. And they turn to one another, trembling, saying, what is this that God has done to us? And again, you notice the guilt they bear 
from the sin against Joseph so many years ago. That's just coming through. You know, already this, this man, the man, the Lord of the land, has shown a distrust of him. And now to be in a position of him believing they stole from him, like this is a problem. They are feeling the mistreatment of their brother Joseph returning back on them. Like death is for certain, if not in the least, or in the least imprisonment and becoming servant slaves of this man. So this is, this, this is all bearing heavy upon them as they are now returning to Egypt. They have Benjamin. They have many various gifts to bring him, bring Joseph, bring the Lord of the land. And they also have with them all the money given to Joseph for the food they provided. And because so, they could be rightly accused. Like they're just expecting that. Rightly accused of stealing from him. Like what to do? This lines right up with them being accused by Joseph as being spies and dishonest men. Joseph said that repeatedly about them. They kept saying no, and he kept saying the same thing. And so now they're in a position where it looks like that the evidence is true. They have no credibility as Joseph's word against theirs. But they make the right choice. They make the right choice. Truthful confession. And this is important to see in working towards reconciliation. Truthful confession. If this isn't taking place, then any forward progress towards reconciliation will be halted. Joseph makes careful arrangements so that this fruit of repentance would be revealed from their heart, and it comes through abundantly clear in verses 19 through 23. They promptly, like that's one of the first things they do, they promptly go into detail with the steward of Joseph's house about all that has taken place. Questions not even asked. They just get right into it, not knowing whether they would be believed or not. But that doesn't matter. They're going to tell the truth, a truthful confession anyway, come what may. And the steward of the house, likely instructed by Joseph, right, assures his brothers, assures Joseph's brothers, peace be to you. Don't don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. Like, I received your money, which is true. He did receive the money, but he gives credit to God, though it was his hands that gave it back in, in their sacks. So he assures them of this. It just kind of, not kind of, it completely brings up peace and ease. Like, oh, and he glorifies God in the process. And then to add to this measure of unexpected favor, favorable reply that they receive, to add to that, their brother Simeon is reunited with them, followed by just a a steady flow of kind, warm hospitality. Provides water for them to drink. They've had a long journey. It's a famine, which means it's probably pretty dry, right? They washed their feet, fed their donkeys, even gave them time to prepare the present they brought for Joseph, who would be having lunch with them. They're at Joseph's house, can have lunch with them, gives them time to have that on display. Just great hospitality, great kindness. And truthful confession yields such fruit and steps towards reconciliation. And this brings us now to what is drawing really all of this out. What is drawing all of this out? For this is of utmost importance in the life of the Christian. 
who desires to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. As Martin Luther stated, the Christian life is one that practices in repentance. And we know from Romans 2.4, we even, one of the lyrics this morning that was sung, how God leads us to repentance. God leads us to repentance. Romans 2.4, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead us, lead you to repentance? And Joseph is embodying this, is he not? He's embodying this same kindness and forbearance and patience towards his brothers to the same end of repentance and is in that an example to us and how we work through reconciliation between one another. The thing that is so very important to see in what is revealed from Joseph's heart, from Joseph's heart, as to the motive behind it at work drawing the unfolding events forward as we're seeing is our third and final point. And that is compassion motivated. Compassion motivated. As we finish up this chapter in verses 26 through 34. Compassion motivated. This has been present in Joseph all along, but it really bursts through the pages here in the close of this chapter. And this must be the motivation towards ones who have sinned against you. Not to, di- not to dismiss the hurt caused by their wrong against you. Like the hurt is real and not to be dismissed while the right response is that of compassion. Compassion, a sincere love for them and concern for the suffering state of the relationship between one another due to this sin, along with a sincere desire to be reconciled and have the relationship restored. Which is so hard to put into practice because of the hurt being so painful. But it is the right response. It's the right response. God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance that our relationship with God, whom we have wronged by our sin, hurt God by our sin, would be restored. And we are to follow his same steps, motivated by the same compassion our God shows us. Isaiah 54.10 For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast, this is God speaking, my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Compassion on you. And and we see this repeatedly exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 9, 36 as one among many examples. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them 
because they were because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what this is what motivates our God towards us. Compassion. And we are right to embody that same compassion towards one another. In fact, God's word says so. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Put on then, put on then as God's chosen ones, your identity, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on, first one, compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And Joseph does so here. He does so here, and it's drawing. Do you guys see that? It's drawing this this fruit of repentance in his brothers as by what is revealed in their heart in this process, and these steps taking towards reconciliation. It's a great story that we're still in the midst of, of how this is at work. And when I said the compassion of Joseph has for his brothers, that it, that it bursts through the pages, I'll have you first, I will first have you glance back to verse 24 in the prior chapter. When Joseph is, he's hearing his brothers who, it says that they didn't realize he was understanding them because he had an interpreter between them, but he knew, he heard everything they're saying. When they're speaking amongst themselves about this guilt that they feel about what they did to him, about what they did to Joseph. He hears this. And Joseph seeing this revealing of their heart by what he is hearing, it just causes him to what? To turn away and weep. Like it's almost, it's, even in that moment, he can't take it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking down. Like what I'm seeing is beautiful. Joseph, or the, the compassion in Joseph heart, Joseph's heart is coming through there. This next similar response of compassion of Joseph's heart revealed just seemingly bursts out of the pages in that he appears like almost desperate. I I need to find a place to weep. And it builds. The next time he does this, like he gets all the Egyptians out of the room and they hear him. (laughs) They hear him. But in this moment, it bursts through because he's like, I need to get in isolation. I need to weep. To weep aloud. Let's, in fact, let's read the first bulk of these verses that gives that account because it's, it's worth reading again. And it starts off with a continued kindness that he is showing them. Verses 26 through 31. When Joseph came home, so now the presents are set up. Joseph's coming home. They brought him into the house, brought into the house to him, the present that they had with them, and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare, there's kindness, and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke, that care and interest of him, is he still alive? They said, your servant, our father, is well, he is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and 
wept there. Verse 31, then he washed his face. Why? Covered with tears. Probably maybe they had makeup back then, right? Something, I don't know. Fred refreshed himself. He washed his face, came out, and controlling himself, like he's still emotional, controlling himself, he said, serve the food, continuing the hospitality to be shared with his brothers who still have no idea who he is other than being the man, the Lord of the land. And once Joseph returns, he continues. He continues this pursuit in the revealing of their heart. And he does so in, a, in a, just a cool way by the precise order, right? He signed them to sit at the table and then giving this clear, bountiful favor to the youngest Benjamin. I mean, his, his brothers, are, they stand there in amazement. They're just like, just dazzled, like, hey, how is it that we're all sitting exactly to our birthright? And then now they're youngest, clearly, you know, we got a regular plate, and then like Benjamin's, things are coming off, I mean, five times the portion. I mean, from the, this whole process, Joseph, from the, from the types of insightful questions he's asking, remember his father's upset, and the brother's like, he's asking these questions, we're just giving the answers to them. Like, he has in, insightful questions he asks his brothers to now ordering them to sit in accordance to their birthright and the obvious favor shown to their youngest brother. I mean, he's just a mystery man, this Lord of the land. And he continues to like, just make them feel uncomfortable in a way that's, that's drawing this out while at the same time showing this great kindness and hospitality to them. I mean, in this moment during lunchtime, they drank and were merry with him, merry with Joseph, having a great time. But Joseph, just careful and, and maintaining this perplexity to these brothers, like, who is this guy? Um, is, is cool to see. And, and it's, that, it's that patient persistence of Joseph, patiently persisting in the revealing of their heart. Because his, his aim, his aim, the intent from the beginning and always, all the way through, his aim is that true reconciliation and restoration would take place. And we know that because we know the whole story. But here we're seeing in the midst of it. And he's steady. He's patient. He hasn't revealed himself to them yet. It's not time. He's still at work. He's still wanting to see what's in the heart. And is this not what our brother Jesus does? In taking careful reconciliation steps to reveal what's in our hearts and the need for renewal of it? I mean, when he pursues us, that's what's taking place, right? Exposing the ugliness of our heart, convicting of sin, realizing we need a new heart, which he provides, he supplies that by his spirit working powerfully in us according to his word that sanctifies us. That's what our brother does to us. He's carefully pursuing us. He's wooing us. He's, he is, he's taking these steps. Yes, Jesus, Lord and Savior, but he also refers to us as his brothers. Do you remember the account shortly after he rose from the grave in John chapter 20, verse 16 and 17, the, 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 the scene where, where Mary goes to the tomb to find it empty and there's a gardener behind her and she's just weeping. He's asking her questions and, and then he says, to, and then the, <clears throat> the risen Lord says to her, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she's just like, Whoa, 
like the way he said it, the power behind that, she just knew in that one saying of her name, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Hebrews 2 verses 9 through 13, expounds more, expounds more on the, on the careful steps that our brother Jesus did to reconcile us back to God. But we see him, as starting verse 9, we see him in, in one sense, us, man, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, but namely, we see him, Jesus the firstborn among many brethren, Jesus, God incarnate, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, every one of his brothers. For it was fitting that he, he Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, that's his brothers and sisters context again, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he, Jesus, who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified, Jesus' siblings, the born-again Christian, all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them, here it is, not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I, Jesus is the one speaking here, I will tell of your name to my Brothers, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children, my brothers and sisters, God has given me. Our brother Jesus accomplished this. He accomplished this by his sinless life. There's a step. His sinless life lived, his sacrificial death on the cross his resurrection from the grave, and his ascension on high. Through Jesus, the love of God towards us just bursts forth. The compassion of our God is on full display, paying the penalty for our sin-sick heart and bursting forth the new heart we are given through faith in him, resulting resulting in sinful man being able, being able with a new heart to be reconciled to a holy God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we give you thanks. Um, we give you thanks for, for pursuing us. We give you thanks for your compassion we give you thanks <clears throat> that you hear our prayers. While we do know also, God, that you look upon the heart. And so as we would cry out to you, as we would lift up words of praise, as we would confess, as however our, our prayer, our conversation with you goes, I pray that it is coming 
um, <clears throat> that, it, that it aligns with what you see upon our heart. And if that is not present, God, that you would, you would make that known to us, that we would be honest with ourselves and honest with you. Because we want our, our heart right before you, always and continually. And, and whenever it's, it's not, to be quickly remedied, that we would go to the cross, that we would, um, that the gospel would be at work in our lives, changing that. At work with you, but again, recognizing we need you. You are, you are the one who is able to do it. And so that we would lean into you, that we would um, not resist, but, but yield to your hand at work within us. So Father, help, help us from this word that you... Um, directed, um, placed upon my heart to be received, to be strengthened by, to be encouraged by, to be challenged by. I pray as, as believers, as brothers and sisters of Christ, um, that you, Lord Jesus, would um, allow us to share it in together, to be strengthened by together in, in, in a way that that has great effect. We thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for this time to share in together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Pillar Bible Fellowship. Please email any comments or questions about the sermon to feedback at pillarhoodriver.org.